Welcome to the Citizens Youth Podcast. Citizens Youth is a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church in Vancouver, Washington. Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit us online at nwgospel.com forward slash citizens. Good evening, everyone. We are gathered here today because God is designing the family. For the last few weeks, we have looked at his blueprints and have learned the brilliant role that parents play in passing on the faith. We have seen his design call his children to hear wisdom and forsake it not. But tonight, on this momentous occasion, we come to perhaps the most beautiful part of his design yet, the heartbeat of the family. Tonight, students, we look at God's design for marriage. This is a story of love, of design, of beauty. But tonight, as we watch this love story unfold, we don't simply celebrate marriage. Instead, tonight we are going to ground zero, to the very garden that served as God's construction site, as God designed marriage itself. And so friends, it is my utmost pleasure and honor to welcome you to the first wedding. Yes. How many of you like weddings? Okay. How many of you, honestly, how many of you have never, ever been to a wedding? Stand up. If you've never been to a wedding, stand up right now. Okay. Well, I have something. You, bro, you've never been to a wedding? You fist bumped me down the aisle as if you had been here before. You were like, good luck, bro. I've done these a million times. Wow. It worked though. You gave me all the confidence I needed. Well, sit down because tonight you are about to attend your first wedding. This is your first wedding. I guess you could say first wedding is kind of double entendre, right? So you've been to a wedding before, but I guarantee you, you've never been to the first wedding. The first time ever that man and woman come together in Mowage. In Mowage. So are you ready for the first wedding? Do you guys want to hear a love story tonight? Yeah. <laughs> you never hear guys answer that question. You woohoo, yeah. Guys are like, I'm writing my own love story. Well, then that's going to be fun too. So here we go. The first wedding, okay? And so I I should probably teach you guys some wedding etiquette, okay? Some wedding etiquette. Everybody sit up nice and tall. Nice and tall, okay? That's the first rule, right? Never fall asleep during a wedding, okay? Never fall asleep during a wedding. Trust me. Trust me, bro. Okay, so never fall asleep during a wedding. Number two, when the bride comes down the aisle, everybody stands. Okay, good practice. Let's actually do a practice right now. You ready? Here comes the bride. And we should do it so coordinated that the room literally makes a noise. So let's try that again. Let's try it again. And I'll give you a little cue. As the, as the one conducting this wedding, I'll give you a little cue. It'll be really subtle. I'll go. Ready? One, two, three. Wow. And then you turn, turn. You don't just stand up, you turn to the aisle. All right, wave Tucker. Everybody say, hi, Tucker. All right. He's a looker, but he's not the bride. All right, take a seat, take a seat. So here we go. We're about to dive in to the first wedding. The first wedding. Let us begin. The first wedding begins all the way back in Genesis chapter two, starting in verse 15. Here we go. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. This is a love story. This is the design of marriage. But our love story tonight begins, the design begins with a man. The the design begins 
with a man. Okay? Where are my men at? Men, stand up. This, yeah. <laughs> like Mario and Luigi just stood up like, right? Men, here we go. <clears throat> the design. The story begins with a man. And so I need to make sure that we have some men in this room, right? So here's our battle cry. When I say, where are the men? You guys say, ahu, 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 three times. Where are the men? Listen, the man is going to play a prominent role in this story. And so I'm going to need the men to play a prominent role in this room. I need every man, stand up. Every man, if you're not standing up, that's weird. Stand up, here we go. And I will cue you throughout the night. Where are the men? You're not a man, you're a boy. I get it, prepubescence, you're excused. Okay, take a seat. So the design begins with a man, but I want to call your attention to what the man is doing, okay? Because the man is not just chilling. The man is not just relaxing. Look what this man is doing. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden. Aw, he must like flowers. No! Oh, he must be picking out his fiance's ring. No! He's in the garden to work, 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 work. All right, you'll thank me when you're singing that song at 10 o'clock tonight, okay? He's in the garden to work. You know what this tells me about our man here? Where are my men at? Oh, yeah. Dude, we're going to get to the point where the floor rattles when we do that, okay? We'll work on it. We'll work on it. We need deep squats, deep burns, testosterone. It's going to work, okay? So listen. Look at what we see here. This man, we'll say it this way, this man, he had responsibility. The very first man, our love story begins as we see that the man had responsibility. The first job came before the first wedding. Let me say it another way, okay? The dude had a job before he had a wife, all right? All my men, right? You're like, ooh, 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 all right? (laughs) He had a job before he had a wife. And so this man is in the garden and he's working and he's sweating, right? He's a manly man because he's applying himself. This is a man who everything around him is getting better. He's taking the garden. He's taking things that were out of order. He's taking things that were in chaos and he's making them thrive. They're getting better. He's working. He's maintaining order. My men, listen to me, dudes. Boys, this is a beautiful picture of manhood here, okay? We don't just work, so like begrudgingly going, oh, I just got to get a job done, so now I can go and live it up and live my life. No, dude, like work is a part of what we do. As men, being responsible, work is a way that we worship God. And so we see here, this man is responsible and he is working. My dudes, listen, You may not have a job yet, but you can work. You can prepare to be the groom that stands up here one day and you can do it by taking responsibility. And I remember the dilemma. I remember what it was like to be 13, 14, 15 and go, I can't get a job because in order to get a job, I have to have work experience. But I don't have work experience because I can't have a job. Anybody? Anybody there right now, (laughs) right? You don't need to have a job to work. Is school your job? Work. Is, is cleaning up around the house, is keeping your room in order your job? Work, 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 work. That's what men do. So men work, he has responsibility. And so you too can work now. Practice working hard. Where are my men at? Yes, you're not getting quiet. All right, let's keep looking at this man, all right? Not only, not only do, do we see that he, oh, we went ahead. Not only does he have responsibility, Look what it says, the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. You shall not eat. And so we see here that Adam is a man who is under authority. Look what's happening here. God commands the man. He tells the man what to do. He establishes rules. He establishes consequences. Are you getting a clear picture of who's in charge here? Who's in charge? 
God. God's giving the command. God's establishing the rules. God is setting up the consequences. And Adam is following God. This is a very different picture of a man than the one that we paint today. See, because the the modern day man, geez, what? Nobody tells me what to do. I actually went out and interviewed a modern day man and this is what he said. He said, I'm in charge. No one tells me what to do. I'm the man. Quote, anonymous man from cultural. Okay? This is a real life dude. He said this to me. This is the sentiment though, isn't it? In our culture, to be a man means that you make your own way, you establish what you're going to do, and nobody's going to tell you how to do your life because you do you. But we see that could not be further from the truth. The very first man wasn't trying to blaze the trail to figure out how to do it. He was a man under authority. Authority is not a bad word. Part of God's design for life, and specifically for manhood, God has created order. God has created leadership. God has created authority. And a biblical man knows that freedom isn't found in independence, but in obedience. And so Adam is willingly following his good and gracious God. Now I I pause here and I'm highlighting this because this is actually super, super important. Because in a few verses here, As we conduct this wedding ceremony, God is going to place the man as an authority in his home. Not the same level of authority as God, but an authority. He's going to place him as a leader. And if that man is going to be a leader, he needs to know how to follow the leader. Okay? If that man is going to be a good authority, he needs to know how to follow the good authority. And I'm telling you, young men, more men fail to, to lead because they have no idea how to follow. Men in our society, when they're left unchecked, when they're not embracing godly authority for themselves, they will never be a good authority because they don't know how to follow. And so young men, do you want to be good husbands one day? How many of you dudes want to be a good husband one day? Okay. Okay. Oh, Yeah. Honestly, I'm, and listen, 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 listen. This is not the time to play the raise your hand because Sam's looking at your game. I want you to think about it. Chris, you're getting married next weekend, bro. Who's, do, who's doing your wedding? Aya? Oh, I forgot. This should be like a dress rehearsal right now, right? I'd call you guys up here, but by the power invested in me, I may set something off accidentally. And I don't wanna, I don't wanna do that but just yet, okay? How many of you guys wanna be good fathers one day? How many dudes? Honestly, you wanna be a good dad one day? Okay. You want to be a good leader in your home one day? I'm going to tell you one of the single most important things you can do right now to prepare for marriage, to prepare for parenting and all those things. Submit. Submit to godly authority. Submit to the leadership that God has placed over you. Parents, pastors, teachers, leaders. Young men, if you can learn to follow God's authority and leadership in your life now, you will be a great leader and a great authority. And so we see here that not only did our man have responsibility, he was a man under authority. He was under authority. And so this is an interesting way to begin a wedding, is it not? All the ladies are like, bring on the tears and the flowers. We'll get there. But we come to the first wedding saying, teach me how to be married. And God says, but first, I'm gonna teach you about manhood. We come to the first wedding expecting to see marriage, and for some reason, we see manhood. Because God knows, (laughs) God knows that what he's about to bring this man, God knows that what he's about to walk down the aisle better be placed in good hands. And all the ladies said, hey, right? All the ladies, instead of wearing wedding dresses, you should wear like giant ribbons that say like fragile, right? Or like, or like handle with care, you know what I mean? And so God doesn't rush to the ceremony. Have you guys ever seen Meet the Parents? Meet the Parents, right? And at the end of the movie, uh, Gaylord Fokker, he's standing there, his fiance is coming down the aisle and, and, the, and the minister says, who gives this woman to be married to this man? And Robert De Niro says, I do. And he goes, all right, you may present the bride. And she tries to walk away. And she's like, oh. and Robner's like, <laughs> come here, Lauren, let me show you, right? Come here, stand up. Yeah, come, 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 right? And she's like, and, she, and she's trying to like walk away. Now go to the groom, right? Go to the groom. 
Go, go to the groom. Yeah, yeah, go. Yep, try to go. <laughs> I'm not letting you go, right? God is like, dude, if I'm about to give away something super special, <laughs> if I'm about to give away something super special, it better be to a man that is worthy. And so we come to the first wedding and before we get to the marriage, we come to manhood. And so now the story continues. Oh, man, you with me? Where are the men? Where are the men? All right, good, good. A two, a two, a two. That's what it sounds like. Here we go. The story continues for our man. Verse 18, let's continue with our man who is responsible and our man who is hardworking and under authority. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now, out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. And everybody said, oh, oh, Adam, Adam lonely. We see here in the creation account in the first two chapters, in a world of good, we find a not good. In a world of, oh yeah, we find a, oh no. We look at the creation account here, right? And God, he makes the sun and he says, it's good. And he makes the moon and he looks at it and he says, it's good. And then he makes the, the water and all the sea creatures and he says, it's good. And then he makes the animals on the crane. It's like, rah, rah, and the birds are in the end. It's like, and then the big sea creatures. And he's like, oh, it's good, right? Six days of creation. It's all good. And then he comes to this specific scenario. He's walking through his creation and God's like, you know, I got sunshine because I made it on a cloudy day. And he's like, good, it's good, it's good. And then he comes to this scenario and he goes, huh, it's not good. He literally says, he goes, this, it's not good. What's not good, Lord? Did, did, did you make a mistake on the birds? Did you make a mistake on the sun? What happened? Is, are the whales going crazy? Save the whales, God, what's going on? What's not good? And he says, here's what's not good that the man should be alone. And everyone said, oh. <laughs> I'm looking for volunteers to get married right now. Any volunteers? He's like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> and so check it out, right? Check it out. God looks at this scene and he says, this is not good. It is not good that man is alone. And then this is probably my, my favorite passage in all the Bible. I think, I won't say favorite, I think this is the funniest passage in all the Bible. <laughs> because to illustrate the point of how not good it is for Adam to be alone, look what it says. It's not good for him to be alone. Now, completely unrelated to this, out of the ground, God made all the animals and he told Adam to name them. <laughs> and so God, it's like, wait, God, I, you got distracted. I thought you were gonna make a helper. Why, why are we talking about animals right now? And look what he says. God brought them to the man. So man is sitting here, right? Man is Adam. He's sitting here right now. And God says, I have a job for you, right? And Adam says, yes, because he's under authority and he's responsible. And so Adam takes the job. He goes, what's the job, Lord? And he goes, I'm gonna bring all these animals to you. And I want you to name them. And whatever you name them, right? That'll be their name. Because God's like, man, I made all these cool things. But I'm like, that flying, screeching thing that's blind, what is that called? And Adam's like, bat! He's like, sounds good to me. Adam, you're pretty good at this. Let's do this again, okay, with all of them. And so God starts to bring the animals. God starts to bring the animals to Adam. And Adam is naming them, right? Cue the music, Cody. And Adam is sitting here, and he starts to realize something. Monkeys, hey! Can, monkey, yeah! Good, monkey! Okay, see you, monkeys. 
Oh, yeah, lions! Ha ha! High five! Ow! Oh. Alright, yeah, go, get going. Okay. And everything has a group the pride of lions, the pack of wolves, the, the, the herd of birds, and the swarms of bees, and the flocks of elephants, and they're coming! And Adam is like skipping through the garden with the monkeys, right? And he's going! And he's high-fiving the monkeys because they have opposable thumbs to give high-fives. And he's going! And they're just laying on the grass, just making like snow angels in the grass, you know? And it's all cool until something gets weird where Adam's like, let's go eat, I'm starving! And the monkeys go, great idea! And they turn over and bend over and they start eating bugs off each other. And Adam's like, I don't belong here. So he goes back to naming the animals. And something becomes more and more apparent. None of them are like him. And so God is literally walking animals before him. And Adam's like, elephant, it's just, and none of it matches Adam. Adam's alone. Adam sees all of these animals have partners. All of these animals have the ability to make more animals. All of these animals have a friend. And Adam is the only human being sitting here. And then look what he says, right? Out of all of these animals, none of them were a helper for him. None of them were a helper. He just saw all these communities of livestock and birds and Godzilla. I don't know, like how do you name the crazy sea creatures, you know? And none of them match Adam. None of them match Adam. He is alone. He's alone. And he's looking at them and he says, you know what? None of these can help me. Man, I like riding the elephants. Don't get me wrong, they're awesome. The horses, hey, they're cool. But think about it, like none of them can really be and fulfill my need for a companion. None of these animals can come alongside of me and join me in the efforts to do what God has called me to do. None of these animals can feel this sense of purpose with me. I don't care how great I'm at naming people, I will never be accepted into their community. I don't have a helper. And everyone said, oh. And so God looks into a world of good and he goes, this is not good. And so God is going to do something about it. God says, you know what? I'm going to make a helper who is fit for Adam. I know he was kind of bummed by the monkey situation. I know he was a little bit jealous of the cows. I know that he was, all of this naming situation created in him a desire. This job, the reason why God had him naming the animals is because it made Adam aware of a very real truth. And yet it's a truth that it's hard for us as men to accept. We can't do it alone. Men, I'm gonna give you a heads up here, okay? The sooner you can come to grips in your life of this truth, the better off you'll be in marriage. Let's just actually, let's practice right now. Ladies, take a break. Men, let's practice. Say, I, just the men, just the men. Don't get ahead of yourself here. I can't do it alone. And now there's something inside of you. It's called pride. And it just went like this. Did you feel it? Notice how only the ladies are laughing because the dudes are like, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know it's true, right? And so God, be, remember, this starts with manhood because God wants to get to marriage. And before God can give this beautiful, precious, handle with care gift to Adam, he needs to make sure that he's responsible and hardworking. He needs to make sure that he's under authority and he needs to make sure that he's humble enough to recognize that he needs a helper. And so we have this bizarre scene. I think it's the funniest scene in the Bible. I just imagine Adam trying to fit in. (laughs) He can't, because there's no helper fit for him. But God is going to give him a helper. God is going to design something. Put on your hard hat, boys and girls, because we're going to the construction site, okay? 
God is about to design something that will fix the not good. And all of you who thought that God was done creating, he saved the best for last. He saved the best for last. You guys want to see the final piece of his design? Bro, you want to see the final piece of his design? Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. So we look at it here. Let's see the last piece of his design and how God fixes the not good and makes it good. Our final few verses, verse 21. So, here's how God's gonna fix it. So, the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. Sleep. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. (laughs) And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her. Everybody say, brought her and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Now the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. This is our last verse. So we see that in a world of good, we find a not good, but look how God fixes it. God designs, God designs a one man, one woman forever relationship. Right? That's like probably what Adam is hearing in his sleep. He's like, oh God must be building again. Why can't I feel my toes? Oh, right? And so God, you know, God puts on his hard hat and gets his hammer and he starts building. And what we see in his last piece, at the pinnacle of his creation, he has designed something beautiful. The design started with a man, but now God brings an important ingredient into the mix. And so we see here that God comes and he's like, hey, Adam, are you tired? You know, I'm a little bit tired. I uh, was naming all the animals all day, but I bet you if I just go for a run, shh. <laughs> and he knocks Adam out, right? And we see this. You gotta just, you gotta love the Bible. This is amazing. You're like, ew, that is so weird. He took her rib. Like, think of it in context. How did he create everything else? Out of the dust of the ground. How did he create Adam? Out of the dust of the ground. But this piece of creation, uh uh-uh, honey. This is gonna require something special. This is gonna be something unique. I am about to invent something I've never invented before. And so I'm gonna do something I've never done before. I'm gonna take a rib out of the man. Matthew Henry says it beautifully. He says, women were created from the rib of a man to be beside him, not from his head to top him, nor from his feet to be trampled by him, but from under his arm to be protected by him, near to his heart to be loved by him. And everyone said, Aww. Right? And all the dudes are like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> right? Look what God did. Guys, are you ready for this? This is amazing. God knocks the dude out. He creates another human being. And then look what he does. I'm gonna start crying here. Guys, stick with me, okay? Look what God does. You got, and we said this out loud, so we, we know. Look what he does. He creates the woman, and then what does he do? And brought her to the man. What did God do? What did God do over here? What was he doing with the animals? He brought them to him. Remember? And God brought the animals to the man to be named. And whatever he named them, that was its name. And so Adam wakes up and he sits in his naming chair because we all have a naming chair. And he sits in the chair and he's like, Oh, ow, oh, okay. And God, you just imagine God smiling and God goes, hey, Adam. <laughs> yeah, Lord. Hey, Adam, I got one more, one more thing to bring you. I got one more piece of my creation to bring you and I want you to name it. And, God's like, and Adam's like, oh, I hope this one doesn't bite. 
and God goes, God goes, psst. And Adam looks and he stands up and he's probably standing right about here looking very nervous. And God, you kind of see the trees moving as God's glory is just rustling everything and the trees are probably actually bowing down and all the animals have made an audience because God's about to bring the last piece of his design and God brings a woman as he walks the first bride ever down the aisle. And Adam, whoa, man! Oh, just, like, dude, he sees the most beautiful thing that he has ever seen in his life. A woman. And women are beautiful. Listen, women are beautiful. Women are gorgeous. But you know what makes them even more beautiful and gorgeous? When you've been looking at monkeys all day. Homeboy's been naming monkeys and elephants and hyenas and zebras. And he sees this woman and God is walking the very first daughter of God down the aisle to him. And he is about to bring her. He's about to present her to the man. Present her to the man. I know you couldn't relate to the creatures I brought you earlier, Adam. I know you were still lonely and in need of help when you had the other creatures from earlier, Adam. But this one is a special gift. And so Adam meets this beautiful, gorgeous woman at the, at the aisle and he goes, Lord, I can name this one. <laughs> I'm a man, she's a woman. Or we'll say it in Hebrew because it's beautiful. He goes, I'm an ish. That's an isha. That's the Hebrew word. Ish. Isha. Everybody say, ah. Lord, I see what you did there. She is beautiful. She is for me. She's an ish. I'm an ish. Or I'm an ish. She's an isha. And then look what Adam does, all right? And now, <laughs> these are one of those things that you do them. And they make a great love story when you're telling people like 20 years later, but in the moment, you're just a dork. <laughs> so dudes, do this, okay? Because you'll be a dork, but it'll make for a great love story, right? Instead of just saying, why, well, thank you very much. I'm Adam Suave, and uh, welcome to my garden. <laughs> no, there's no suave in him. He breaks out into straight up song. Now you read the Bible and you go, oh, that's cool, that's normal. How many of you dudes start singing a song when an attractive girl walks into the room? <laughs> that's the problem bright guy that's the problem we're not teaching him so he sees the woman he sees her come in and he literally breaks out into song right and i was thinking about like beatboxing it but i'm like no this is like straight up like israeli right and he's like lie, 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 lie. this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman because she was taken out of mad and it's just like and she's like Shucks. She's like, do you sing to all of God's creatures? And he straight up sings a song. And do you know what he's saying in his song? Can we go like, like, can we go to like SoundCloud and like read the genius lyrics? Look what he's saying in his song. He's more than just like humming, 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 humming. All right. He actually has a message here in the song. And look what his message is. This is bone of my bones. This is flesh of my flesh. I'm an Ish, he, she's an Isha. What he's saying is, finally, someone who's like me. That's what his song is saying. That's the title. Finally, someone like me. Featuring monkeys on the bass, <laughs> you know? <laughs> boom, 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 like me. <laughs> and so he sees and she goes, he goes, finally, this is someone who is like me. She's the same bone as my bone. She's the same flesh. She's literally made out of the same stuff as me. She does not striped. She doesn't have a tail. She don't got no mane. <laughs> and so Adam sings a song, not just to flatter the woman. He sings a song, man, because he's in love with the designer's design. He is in love with the designer's design. And so as God is conducting the first wedding, Adam goes, I'm a fan. 
I'm a fan. And so I want us to look here. I want us to look here at the, at the wedding sermon that happens because we go, wow, that's a great design, but why is it so great? What is it about this wedding design that makes us go, wow, that's beautiful. Let's look at it really quick here. What do we learn about God's design? Number one, we see that marriage is between a man and a woman. God didn't say, you know what? Adam needs another helper. Let me create another monkey. Adam needs another helper. Let me create something else out of the ground. No, no, he goes, I'm going to create something who is equal in value. Someone who is equally in the image of God. Someone who's of the same bone and bone and flesh of flesh. I'm going to make someone who is just like him, equal to him, but with one key difference, their gender. They're the same, but they're different. They're equal, but they're complementary. God creates another piece of man, another human, another piece of humanity, but this one is different from him because it fits together with him. And when you put them together, they now resemble the complete image of God. This is a piece of the design that's under fire today, isn't it? Right? And here's the only problem with that, right? If this was simply a political conversation, if this, was, if this was purely a social conversation, then sure, anybody can marry anybody. I just learned yesterday that there's a man, what state was it in? He married himself. Do you guys read that story? There's a man who literally married himself. Legally. I personally don't think it's gonna last, but hey, no judgment. So listen, if this was purely a man-made design, then sure, anybody can marry anybody. And I'd be all for it, honestly, because <clears throat> it doesn't affect me. But what you have to understand is this, when we're talking about marriage, we're not talking about something that man made, we're talking about something that God made. And so we actually don't get to tweak the design, okay? I have friends who are gay. I have friends who are lesbians. I have Christian friends who struggle with same-sex attraction. And here's my point here, okay? What do we do when we have friends? What do we do when we struggle with same-sex attraction? What do we do when we have a little bit of confusion about gender and how big of a difference is there really in all these things? You know what we do? It's okay. I love you. You're welcome here. Be a part of us. Because what we all need to do together, no matter where we fall on our spectrum here, we all need to take time in community to examine God's design. And as we love each other and as we're in community, what we can do is we can go together and lovingly examine God's design. And no matter how you need to change, no matter how I need to change, no matter what's easy for you or hard for you or what's easy for me or hard for me, we can together say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to submit every area of my life to your design. My attitude, the way I spend my time, everything in my life, my finances, and even my sexuality, I want to live it and experience it the way that you have designed it to be lived and experienced. And so one of the most loving things that we can do for one another in our moments of confusion, in our moments of weakness, when the design seems to be a little bit outdated and even possibly irrelevant, the most loving thing that we can do is come together. We don't need to judge one another. We could be open and honest and say, hey, let's just look at God's design because the designer always knows best. The designer always knows knows best. So we see number one, <clears throat> marriage is between a man and a woman, but we also see here in the design, in the first wedding, that marriage is forever, forever, forever. Where do you see that, Sam? Well, look what God said. When God walks the bride down the aisle, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast. So God doesn't bring this beautiful creature down the aisle and say, hey, Adam, um, have fun. You, got, you, you crazy kids enjoy each other's company and uh, we'll do this again in three months with another dude. No. Hey, this is great. So you guys got seven days, try it on and then we'll go somewhere else. No, God says, hey man, leave your father, leave your mother, hold fast. Hold, everybody do this right now. Hold fast. You can't, 
can't pull it, I can't pull it apart because I, I held fast. It's as, if, it's, as if, it's as if I was leaving and cleaving and weaving to my spouse, okay? He says, this is forever. He goes, I want you to stick together so much so that look what's left. Look what's left. There used to be two. There used to be two. How many are there now? There's only one. You can't separate it. There used to be two. Here, take it apart. Take it apart. You can't because he held fast. There used to be two, but now there's one. He used to be little Johnny in his mommy and daddy's house, but not anymore. He's part of a new household. There's a new entity there. And this entity is one. And now they're going to come together. And as one, they're going to make babies. And those babies are going to be living illustrations of the unity that exists. Because guess how a baby is made? I'm not going there. Guess how a baby is made? 50% of the DNA of mom, 50% of the DNA of dad, and those DNA things literally hold fast. And it's as if God created an infant. It's as if God created an infant. And he says, hey, you want to separate? You can do that as soon as you separate all the DNA in every single one of those kids' cells. Because that baby is like a visual aid of the oneness that now exists. 50% mom, 50% dad. No, it's one baby. Forever. Forever. It's the baby. Oh, yeah. All the dudes are like, huh. So we see that marriage is forever. But let's look at one more piece. Can we look at one more piece about marriage? Are you guys okay with that? One more piece about marriage. Here, look at this. It's between a man and a woman. It's forever. And marriage is the context for pure sexual expression. Look what this says. You're like, oh my gosh, we're in church. Yeah, this is the Bible. Look what it says. The man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now, I need you to be mature here for a second and listen to me, okay? The Bible is not anti-sex, okay? That is a lie that the culture wants you to believe to make you feel like, yeah, I'm, I've outgrown that. Yeah, why are they so prudish? Yeah, why are they anti-sex? God's not anti-sex. He literally invented it. The Bible is not anti-sex, students. God created it as part of his design of male and female. It is good. And in his design for this good creation, he also created the appropriate context for its expression. The only appropriate context for its expression is between a man and his wife. Between a woman and her husband's. And so here we have two completely open and unashamed human beings in their sexuality. Why are they so open and unashamed? Because they're the only human beings on the planet. No! <laughs> because they're living in God's design. They're walking in purity, expressing their sexuality according to the design of the designer. The Bible's not anti-sex. The Bible actually values sex more than your culture. The Bible actually holds sex to a higher level of value because when the culture says, dude, it's not emotional, it's just transactional, the Bible says, no, it's deeply intimate, it's deeply emotional, it's deeply spiritual. So that's the context. I remember we were at a camp once and we were, we were talking to some students and the students were like, So finally we go, dude, what? Like, I, I thought, like, are you confused? Like, what's going on, you know? Because, like, we're talking super basic. And the kid goes, I, I've never heard this before. We're like, what? I thought you grew up in church. He's like, yeah. I, like, I thought if you loved someone, that's when you have sex. And until you're ready to say the love word, you don't have sex. That's culture. That's culture. That's probably even more prudish than culture now. But that's culture. And what we see, students, is that no, this is actually a good thing, but it's part of God's design. And as we look at God's design here, we could all look at this first wedding. We could all look at this first marriage and we go, it's good. It's beautiful. And we praise God for his design. And every single one of us are, that are here right now that have our hearts warmed, every single one of us are now, they're like, oh, this is just such a good, I just love this night. 
because you're a girl and you love weddings. And all the dudes are like, I'm so uncomfortable with this itchiness, right? But the reason why we're kind of attracted to weddings is because there's something about weddings that speak to us, right? We look at weddings and we go, man, that, there's something just beautiful. There's something that speaks to something deep inside of me. And I just, I'm just happy. You know why you're happy at weddings? I'm gonna tell you the secret. It's not because there's gonna be mozzarella sticks afterwards. Not here at the wedding. Chris, you have mozzarella sticks next week? Hard pass, bro. Messed up. Failed. You know why you're so happy at weddings? Do you know why weddings and even marriage, it doesn't have to be a wedding. You watch, I, how many times does my wife come into the office, right? And like Anna's there or Lenny's there. And it's like my wife comes in and I hug her and everybody just goes. Like, I, we're not getting married. I know, but it's just so beautiful. It just speaks to me. Do you know why? It's because someone is trying to speak to you. Do you know Why? It's because the one who actually designed the weddings, the one who actually designed marriage, has created marriage as a message. God designed marriage to be a message. And so when you feel like something is speaking to you, you're right. Someone is speaking to you. Someone is trying to communicate a message to you. Someone is trying to tell you something and it's the designer himself. And every time your heart is warmed, every time you can't keep that smile off your face, every time you just go, oh, marriage. It's because you're picking up what the Lord is putting down. You know what the message is? You already know, don't you? You already know, Lexi, I, I know it. You wanna know what the message is? Not Lexi, my bad, my bad. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. You see it, Maddie? Do you get it now? God put a message, not in a bottle, no. He put a message in marriage, and every time you look at a marriage, guys, listen to this, every time you look at a marriage and you go, I feel like he's trying to say something to me. He's trying to say this to you. That is how I love my people. What is it about that couple? I just get so happy when I see that married couple. That's because God is trying to say to you, that is what our relationship should look like. When you see a man lay down his life for his wife and be a gentleman, not a jerk, and you see a man love his family and work hard and sacrifice everything to provide for them, that's how I love you. When you see a beautiful woman submit to the leadership of her husband and be loyal to him and say, I respect you and I trust you and I'm gonna be with you to the end, he goes, that's how you can love me. God designed marriage as a message. Do you hear it? And so when you get married one day, you're like, that's such a far ways off. Probably not. Dude, the next five years of your life, the next 10 years of your life, sixth graders, where are my sixth graders at? You are literally going to be standing right here. I'm looking at you. Let's go, Paza. Listen to me, Paza. I'm predicting the future. You're going to be standing right here, and next to you is going to be Becky Petty, and next to her is going to be Lauren Adams, and then there's going to be Gracie Wallace, and there's going to be Becky Petty right here. Listen, and it's going to be all of you, okay? And you're going to have Sky Dixon's right here, okay? And then we got little Swaggy Fernando. We're going to have all of you guys. All you sixth grade girls are going to be right here, right? Nick Burchett's going to be here. And before you know it, I'm going to be speaking your senior sermon. Before you know it, you're going to be graduating. Now, seniors, if the sixth graders are going to be here before they know it, you're going to be here before you know it. Ladies, you're going to be here before you know it. And so I tell you a message about marriage. I tell you a message about marriage, not to rush you to the altar, but to prepare you for the altar. And if you could understand now, 
that what you are getting into is so much bigger than just you, but that you are actually partaking in something that God designed as a visual aid. God invented this thing as a message to the world. (sighs) Better get ready. Better become a man. I better become a woman. I better grow godly and mature and responsible now so that I can be a part of the message that God wants to communicate to the world. That is how I love my people. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the beauty that we've seen today in the first wedding. God, thank you that you have created this beautiful design of marriage. Thank you that you have called us, Lord, not to be alone, but to be in community and sometimes specifically even marriage. And so Lord, as we look at the design of your family, as we look at the anatomy of a family and the blueprints that you have rolled out, we are in awe. God, we're in awe. It's good, God, it's beautiful. And we wanna do your creation and your design justice. So Lord, I pray for my little brothers and sisters here that you would create in them hearts of godliness and maturity that you would make our young men responsible and loving and selfless, that you would make our young women uncompromising in the standards that they adopt for relationships and ultimately for marriage. Lord, I pray for the marriages that are in this room right now, Lord, from our youth staffers. I pray for Chris and Tessa as they're getting ready to get married next weekend. Lord, strengthen marriages, Lord. Not just so that they would experience the joy and satisfaction of a good marriage, but that they would glorify you and that the entire world would see that the designer knows best. Lord, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.